Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm doing remarkably well, all things considered. <laughs> well, we consider, uh, compare us to other people in the world and what they're experiencing. I'm doing great. Yeah, our, our problems seem pretty small compared to uh, what's uh, going on in the rest of the world. And in, in spite minister. of what Pierre Paulov keeps trying to tell us, uh, you know, things are things are not dire. Things are oh. actually pretty good for, for, for most people. And, I, you know, at some point in this conversation, maybe I would like to talk about this whole narrative of Canada is broken. Uh, no, you know, if you turn on your tap and the water comes out and your toilets yeah. flush and the light yeah. switches go on, it's your a garbage is picked up. You're uh, like, it's just nothing's broken, dude. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Ex except your uh desire to be <laughs> prime minister and you're not yet. That's well, you know, and, and the problem is, if it's not broken, then you know, who needs someone to fix it? It's an old conservative, <laughs> uh, I mean, everyone knows this is, this is an old conservative uh trait. More yeah. so than than liberals, which is uh, everything is disaster. Only I can fix it. Yeah, you know, only and, we and, can fix it. In Trump, it's only I can fix it. Yeah, and you know, from the on the liberal NDP side, it's like you know, things things could be better. Uh, we can always make things better because you know, there's people we leave behind and people who are struggling and all the rest, and we need to do well by them. But but uh, you know, that to say that you know everyone's running around with their hair on fire and that you know. You know that that taps into sort of the, the you know the the general disgruntlement if that's a word of of the electorate who just gets cranky after any party's been in power for any extended period of time, and you know then then you've got you know demagogues who just stir people up, like like you say with the narrative that oh this is broken and we could we could easily fix it, like that old saying there's uh, you know there's always for every problem there is an easy and simple solution that's probably wrong. That's um, right. And, and they, you know, yeah, they and, keep saying uh, we're going to get inflation down by uh, by getting the uh, there's a there was a new interview uh, yesterday, I think, with Paul Ev, where he was saying that, you know, uh, the government keeps getting rich and Canadians keep getting poor as the government's getting rich. How I thought we were saying that we were in debt up to our eyeballs and and, and our and our financial house is in terrible shape. You know, now you're telling me the government is rich. And if oh, we, it doesn't, if we... th th there there does not need to be any consistency. No, no, no. It, it helps if there isn't anymore. No, no, there isn't. It's and you know, I don't know if it's for different audiences or just you know the simple-minded who can have completely contradictory ideas in their head at the same time. Well, I think that the thing that Polyev is doing is he's feeding people's notions, not their thoughts. Yeah, uh, it's, it's their feels. Know, it's their feels. <clears throat> he's just he's just touching on people's notions that uh, somebody must be getting rich because I'm getting poor, and the uh, government is not helping me out, and so therefore the government is out of touch and getting rich and. You know, hey, all these government people, they've all got jobs that pay decently. Uh, so let's blame them. It's anyway, I want to get to that. And I want to get to my my earnest belief that if we're to be rescued from a Pierre Polyev uh, government, Trudeau needs to take a walk, uh, as I think Laurie Goldstein from The Sun said. And I rarely quote Laurie, but he needs <laughs> to take a walk in the leaves um, <laughs> and, uh, yep. and, and take us an exit. But. First, I want to talk about the thing that is just inflamed everybody everywhere. Uh, well, oh, we're <laughs> we're good at that, aren't we? <laughs> we well, it's just the, the I mean, I, I, I paused there because while it seems like what's going on in the Israel Hamas war has inflamed people everywhere, that is kind of an overstatement. 
because if you look at the properly weighted polls, it's not what you would think the result would be if you look only at the news and see people shouting in rallies. Um, it's the news typically it, you know, it, it, if it has a choice between somebody screaming and yelling and setting themselves on fire and somebody who's speaking calmly and rationally, they're going to the people on fire because oh, yeah. nobody pays attention. Nobody tunes in to see somebody talking rationally. They <laughs> will turn in, tune in to see somebody self-immolate. So yeah. you wind up getting an, an awful lot of attention for uh, the firebrands and the extremists on both sides of any issue. And it's their voices become overrepresented or perceived as being more pervasive than they actually are. So there's that. And uh, you you pointed out you and I in conversation off off mic, you pointed out that my comments as a, a Jew and a Zionist uh, about what's going on in the in the Middle East, my criticisms of the way Netanyahu has uh, pursued this action against Hamas has netted me quite a bit of blowback from people quote in my community. Um, it's, it's been discouraging um, and uh, upsetting because, you know, the, the, the name Israel was given to Jacob. It means wrestles with God and Jews are supposed to wrestle with complex moral issues. We're supposed to challenge, we're supposed to speak out, supposed to have discussions. We're not supposed to fall into lockstep. So uh, this is disturbing to me. But before I go into any criticisms uh, that I have of Netanyahu, and uh, I have them, uh, I, I first want to try to put something out there that perhaps people who aren't Jewish might not be able to completely grasp. And in fact, I'm not sure that I completely grasped it until I heard there's an amazing podcast called Jew Ought to Know. And despite the sort okay. of humorous uh, title, mm-hmm. the, the host, uh, Jordan Harris, uh, is really even, uh, rational and insightful and not given to, to emotional uppers. Very well-documented, well-thought-out podcast. And uh, he explained in one his most recent podcast what never again means to what the world sees it as and what Jews see it as. And this was very interesting to me because he he pointed out that, well, the message that gets out to the general public about never again when Jews say it is the idea that there should never again be genocide against anybody, uh, that uh, we should never again uh, force people back into conditions where they're going to be slaughtered. We should never again uh, turn a blind eye uh, to, or inc- do tacit encouragement of genocide. And amongst a lot of Jews, especially Jews who survived the Holocaust and their immediate, uh, you know, their, their children, uh, never again means uh, not you're not going to kill Jews anymore. We're not going to stand by and let you kill us anymore. Um, and people, uh, I think, need to understand that uh, the history of the Jewish people is not something that only occurred in the last 75 years. The persecution of Jews has been going on literally for centuries because Jews didn't have a, a, once they were, uh, a huge majority of Jews were exiled from Israel, leaving only a small community at the time behind. Um, Jews have uh, 
gone into countries, established communities, been there sometimes for generations and generations, only to have some leaders come to power, decide the Jews are the problem because they're looking for a problem and someone to blame. The Jews are uh, beaten and raped and tortured and slaughtered and uh, ultimately expelled with nothing but the clothes on their backs. And this happens over and over and over again. It is, you know, in all of our holidays, there is some element of they tried to kill us and we survived. So there's this cultural history that is in our genetic memory, in a sense, which is that for for generations, we have been a vulnerable people. We have been powerless, unable to uh, respond and defend ourselves against the strength of the state and the, the mobs. So when Israel was established after the Holocaust and when there was just tons of trauma, I mean, most of the, the Jews that uh, fled to uh, Israel at the time were people who had nowhere else to go. Their homes were gone. And you certainly didn't want to move back into a place where your neighbors turned you in. Um, and they looked to Israel as this is a place where we can be safe. Finally, after centuries, we have a land that is ours where we can run to in times of trouble. We're not forced to take the, the abuse, the beatings, the slaughters. We have a place we can go. And that place is safe. And it is safe to be a Jew there. And it is safe for Jews there. And that has been a realization of a, of a national ambition that's been going on for centuries. So there was this sense that with Israel, our history was turning around some. We were no longer forced to be subject to the whims of uh, demagogues and so on in other countries. When, the, when Hamas crossed the border, as it did October 7th, in the numbers that it did, with the level of barbarity and glee with which they participated or caused the, the barbarity when they got into Israel, that notion that Jews collectively had that we're safe, we're finally, after all these centuries, we're finally safe, that notion is was blown away. So there's a general fear uh, on, a, on a very gut level amongst Jews because we thought we were finally, we finally had a safe haven and now we don't. And so there, that, I think, explains it to some degree the fear response amongst the, the Jewish population in the world. The idea that it's not that there's still people alive who were in the Holocaust. It's within recent memory. It, it, is this happening again? Did we lose our safety? Did, was it all an illusion? Uh, and it, it, it hits on a gut level. And I admit it, it affected me as well. I didn't realize, I didn't know how to enunciate it until the Jew Ought to Know podcast. So Jews are reacting from uh, triggered, traumatic uh, history. And that's why I think that they're not reacting in a way that is the least bit rational or sensible, in my view, in how they're going about dealing with Hamas and responding to October 7th. Uh, scared people react like scared people. And this is why I think the terrorists, Hamas, basically are winning if they have not already won this war. Terrorists, uh, it's in their name, terror. They wish to provoke terror because they know when they provoke terror in their targets, 
The targets do not act rationally. They act out of fear and sometimes uh, irrationally in the way they respond. Well, after October 7th, the terrorists uh, created uh, fear and terror in Israel, fear and terror in Jewish communities around the world to obviously a lesser extent than the imminent uh, danger in Israel, which led to fear and terror amongst Palestinians in uh, Gaza and in the West Bank. So the, the, the goal of terrorists to spread terror has succeeded as domino after domino has fallen, as people are reacting emotionally. And in I, I mean, I'm looking at some of my fellow Jews who I know, and the statements they're making, the things they're defending, these are not, this is not how these people think on a regular basis. They're not thinking, they're emoting, they're reacting from fear. And this is this is what has disturbed me because the we need to be somebody said to me a, a jewish uh colleague said now is not the time to be debating tactics and i said this is exactly the time to be debating tactics because yeah. <laughs> afterwards it's just sophistry like now is yeah. exactly the time we need to debate tactics and no we don't need to to uh rally around as a monolith because some of us see what Israel is doing, what Netanyahu is doing, as being detrimental to the short-term and long-term health of the state of Israel and the safety and security of Jews around the world. Yeah, and you know, and we're a month out now from the beginning of, of it. I say October the 7th, as we record this, it's November 18th. And the thing about about wars or actions or whatever you want to call it, what's going on there, you know, there's the initial shock wherever it is in the world, whether it was Ukraine or whatever. But then it just sort of, I don't want to say settled down because it hasn't settled down there, but it, 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 you kind of incorporate it into your worldview a little bit and you become numb to it a little bit. And, you know, that, that, that first reaction, which you were just talking about, you know, the, the, um, we're under attack and we all, you know, and we strike back irrationally. Um, um, and, uh, that wears off and then you kind of start to look at tactics and world, you know, the effect on the world and whether or not, uh, reactions are proportional and, you know, the, the initial, things that people do to each other you kind of sit back and go oh you know what you know maybe that should have been done differently and i'm starting to see you know we we talked about about the 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 the, the war in gaza you know three weeks ago on our podcast and at that time you and i were saying you know tactically hamas is getting what it wants i mean you know there's there's now you know over well over ten thousand. uh you know, Gazans who've been killed uh, since uh, October the seventh, that in in response retaliation for the uh, for the kidnappings and the incursion into Israel, and we talked about well, what's ha- Hamas's end game? Because they're they they are a small inconsequential force. I mean, they've got they've got rockets, they've got a few things, but at the end of the day, they're tiny. They're they're estimated uh, that they're. Their 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 men under arms is about thirty thousand people, which sounds Israel like ha- a lot. What sounds like a lot until you realize that Israel has like one of the most professional, mechanized, well-equipped armies in the Middle East with uh, three hundred. I think it's three hundred eighty thousand people 
regulars under under arms and then you know not including reservists and 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 all the rest um you know this is you know hamas is a is you know is is a flea compared to that force so they 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 never thought that they could win um you know they thought at best it'd give israel a bloody nose but uh, you know i you know you and i said three weeks ago that hamas was expecting israel to overreact and to you know to to retaliate in a way that they could parade that hamas could parade pictures of dead children dead women hospitals the devastation that that has happened in in gaza since then and rally not just the muslim world to their uh, to their defense because the muslim world is divided as well about uh, about their love for for hamas and 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 for the gazans um but they, they've successfully consolidated their support among their own people and you know they've they've also garnered all kinds of, of sympathy in the international community because we're we're witnessing the human tragedy of what's happening in gaza and you know it's hard for people not to be moved by that um because you know hamas was counting on this kind of a response from israel and israel you and i said um last on our last podcast fell right into this trap instead of sitting totally. back and saying you know what this is awful um we are going to put together an international coalition we're going to get everybody's support uh, and uh, we're going to we're going to find a way to to do you know to re you know release the hostages or to you know or, or to have a, a military operation that's going to minimize civilian casualties i mean at this point you know I, I i don't know what it is today but you know israeli attacks in gaza have resulted in the deaths of over 130 un workers um you know th those are the that is bad press and uh. and we're seeing that the United States is now starting to couch its language in support of Israel. They're now talking about, okay, proportional, you know, um, you've got to have a you know, proportional response. You got to have respect for, for, uh, for human rights and humanitarian things and picking your targets better. And, you know, you're, you're seeing the international community now starting to back off its, its full throated unequivocal support for Israel because time has gone by and, and the press has been terrible for Israel after the initial shock wore off. Awful. Awful. And, you know, and you can't help but say, you know, Hamas is winning at this point. Even, you know, Gaza will be will be completely leveled. And but that that doesn't that that's part of their end game, too. Oh, People, absolutely. It is. Hamas does not care about Palestinian civilians in Gaza. No, no, as, not at all. They are a radical religious extremist Muslim group. As yeah. far as they're concerned, every dead Palestinian is a martyr to their glorious cause. I mean, even suicide bombers have a greater degree of agency in choosing to be suicide bombers and to, to press the button to blow themselves up than Palestinian civilians uh, who like, you know what? Nobody asked me if I wanted to be a martyr. Thank you. Um, yeah. It, every dead Palestinian is a point in the favor of Hamas. And I don't know why Israel doesn't get this. A couple of things based on what, just on what you said. Uh, Israel is much larger than Hamas. And Hamas, when compared to a well-financed organization like Islamic Jihad, which is which is basically a, a, a company uh, of uh, Iran, um, a branch office of Iran. Uh, yes, it's it, it's small now being smaller when dealing with a military behemoth 
uh, provides you with a degree of uh, nimbleness that exploits the size of the opposition. Um, You can get in, get out faster uh, before the others, you know, before your targets get their pants on. So there is there is some of that. And, you know, when we talk about proportionality, there is a there is a tremendous um, uh, lack of understanding of what these terms mean in relation to uh, the rules of war. I mean, it sounds so ridiculous that there's rules of war, but there are. And uh, proportionality doesn't mean if you kill 100, we kill 100. Uh, Proportionality means uh, if you strike uh, here and the significance of your strike is X, then no matter how many people or buildings or whatever we destroy, uh, as long as it is within the same uh, effect to the overall enemy, then that's proportional. It's Proportionality is not me- measured in how many people are killed, is what I, I'm trying to say. Um, war crimes, people just say war crimes, war crimes, war crimes. Well, if you the minute you store uh, personnel or weaponry or in any way use a civilian building uh, in that way, you have transformed that civilian building, according to the rules of war, into a legitimate military target. Uh, so the war crime actually is uh, by putting, by dragging civilian uh, locations into the war, by trying to shield yourself behind the civilians, by bringing uh, weapons and personnel and whatever else into a civilian area. That's a war crime. And that's what Hamas has done. Uh, bombing places or near places that have been turned into legitimate military targets by someone like Hamas um, is not a war crime. It's awful and it's disgusting and it's scary. But in terms of actual international law, that is not a, a, a war crime. Um, and so... You know, I, I get upset when people talk about Israel committing war crimes, war crimes, and not even mentioning Hamas. Um, is Because in many of the things that they say Israel committed war crimes on, according to international law, they actually didn't commit a war crime. They, they committed something that led to tremendous devastation, but that isn't the same thing as a war crime. And I really believe that the use of the terms like war crime and genocide, uh, these are things which are used to on a subconscious level, invalidate the existence of the state of Israel. Because there was a lot of sympathy for Jews after the Holocaust and because they were victims of genocide and war crimes. So if you now put into the bloodstream that Israel is guilty of war crimes and genocide, it starts to undermine the sentiment that created the support for the state of Israel altogether. So there's a purpose to this language. And there's a reason that that language upsets me. Lots of people being killed, uh, you know, victims of war is not genocide. It's awful. It's it's terrible. It's a human tragedy. But it isn't uh, it, it isn't a, 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 a genocide. Genocide is killing people because of who they are, not not because of where they live and what's happening in that general area. And if the Israeli army, as you mentioned, it's so powerful. If the Israeli army wanted to commit genocide against the Palestinians in the territories, they could have done it decades ago. 
without barely working up a sweat. Um, and in a place where there's some two mil, more than two million uh, Gazans, it, I don't mean to be cold about this, but 11,000 uh, civilians uh, with the size of Israel's military, that's not an indication of genocide. Um, again, that doesn't excuse it, but we have to use terms that are accurate because otherwise these terms get into the bloodstream, they're baked in, and it leads to people having wrong ideas and supporting the wrong things and taking the wrong actions going forward. So yeah, language is important. And people, when you when I point that out, they're like, are there still dead children? Yes and no. I'm not saying that is in any way less of a tragedy. I I mean, I I, I turned I tuned into one of the uh, news channels uh, on the radio, their radio feed on satellite radio. And I heard a woman, a mother, talking about losing uh, her child and in this in this war. I had no idea if this was an Israeli woman or a Gazan woman. I had no idea because there's similar regional accents. It's the same pain. And I get that. So trying to keep the, the dialogue in bounds because of damage it will do down the road, um, it, it, it ain't that popular when people's... Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, people's passions are ar uh, aroused, and I get that. But as somebody yeah, said, I'm... I'm looking at macro and they're looking at micro. But macro, Israel has been terrible about realizing that the psychological PR battlefield around the world is another military battlefield. They have ignored it. They have been arrogant. And they have allowed uh, contrary messages to spread and permeate. And now they're surprised that these messages have taken root. It's like, where were you with... Because Israeli politicians, they they do the opposite of a charm offensive. They're just offensive-offensive. And I understand there's a flintiness to, okay, the rest of the world didn't give a, a damn about us for generations. Uh, we're not going to wait and ask your permission so that we don't get... We aren't slaughtered again. I understand some of that. I understand some of the Israeli attitude and some of the attitude of Jews around the world about what's happened. The actions are meant to say, don't f with us. We've had enough. We're not taking it anymore. Don't f with us. And, and also the attitude that, you know, we can, we can't depend on anybody else in the world because uh, whenever we do it, you know, it ends up badly for us. So we're on our own. And, uh, you know, so you don't care about public opinion. You don't care about uh, bad press. Um, you know, you're, you're concentrating, you know, like, like you said early on, you know, we've been kicked out of so many countries that we can't count on even our allies to back us up. So, you know, we're just going to do this and screw the rest of you guys. Um, now, uh, the unfortunate part of that is, you know, we now live in a world where, you know, with with TikTok and then mm. Instagram and all the rest, like you said, the the optics of the of the you know unspeakable tragedy that's going on are 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 bad. Um, you know, they were initially really really bad for Hamas because you know they not only did they they murder uh, you know it, you know innocent uh, women children and and the elderly, but they filmed it and they gleefully put it up on on social media. Um, now, this you know the problem is now as the war drags on and casualties mount, especially civilian ones, and we're seeing the devastation in Gaza. The that that Israel is is losing the social media war, um, and you know there's also you know there's the fog of war as well, where 
I, I just assume in anything like this, everyone is lying, that the images that they're showing us are not that they're doctored, but, you know, they're certainly putting a spin on the right thing and they're leaping to all kinds of conclusions. You know, even when they're in these, uh, the IDF was in the basement of that hospital, you know, they're saying, well, you know, this was clearly a, a Hamas nest and, you know, somebody you know showed a, a curtain. Uh, an Israeli shoulder saying, well, this curtain, you know, the possible use for this curtain would be for hostage videos. It's like, yeah, but it's just a curtain. You haven't actually connected anything. You're just, you're hurting your own narrative by going so over the top here. Um, oh, so, well, we, yeah. we found weapons, you know, they found 15 guns. Well, I'm sure that Gaza has got guns stored everywhere. They, maybe they were part of a Hamas nest uh, in, in central command that was underneath the hospital, or maybe there's just guns all over Gaza. And, you know, it, it wasn't like an armory. It was a couple bags of, of, of old Kalashnikovs. And um, some grenades. Yeah. And some grenades. And you were like, well, if there's tunnels under there, who... Who knows where they came from? The problem is you, you can't trust. And I think, you know, the, the cynicism of the of the internet generation is I don't trust anything I see anymore. So, you know, well, I, I, I certainly don't trust is... the Gaza stuff. I don't, you know, and unfortunately, there's there's an awful lot of justification after the fact by the Israeli forces. You go like, uh, but is it really? Um, um, you know, I can't, I can't just trust them and take it on faith because I'm pretty sure both sides are lying in order to, uh, to try to win over world opinion to their cause. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you can, you can argue about the degree that people are lying, but you know, it's, well, it's, it's an old adage that the first casualty of war is truth. Yeah. Um, and Shifa hospital, you know, um, if I'm Hamas, and I am canny and wily, which they are and have proven themselves to be. And they understand the psychology of the Israeli leadership and military. If Israel is saying that there is a command post underneath Shifa Hospital, and you realize they're signaling they're going to go in and look for it, I'm going to pull everything out of uh, Shifa Hospital. I'm going to leave nothing behind but a couple of things that look like uh, when uh, when Geraldo opened Al Capone's vault yeah. um, and found a bottle. I'm going to pull everything out of there. So as far as I'm concerned, there could have been a whole lot more going on under uh, Al-Shifa Hospital. But Hamas are not stupid. They're savage, but they're not stupid. They pull it would I would believe very much that they yanked everything out of there and cleaned the thing up and sanitized it. Whatever might have been there, it's it's gone. They're not going to leave it there to be found and to prove Israeli claims. They're going to make Israel, Israel look like an idiot. Um, yeah. And the, the thing is, I believe that Israel really did believe and really did have intelligence that there was this command base underneath there, because if they didn't really believe it, they wouldn't have gone in and shown Western uh, media or news crews uh, video, they they would have put stuff. They, they would have put more stuff there if they were trying to create a, a propaganda win. They would have gone in and they would have put in more things that looked incriminating. Um, so this, I, I really believe that the fact that we're not seeing much of anything under Al Shifa Hospital uh, is an indication that Israel really believed there was something there. Um, because if this was just a propaganda thing, they would have made sure there was something there.
Yeah. And uh, the they were fooled. You and, again, you and I have to. Fooled. Yeah, and, and you and I have to, you know, make these leaps back and forth to try to figure out exactly what's going on, and, and it's in that ambiguity that uh, that people are able to exploit it. I mean, the other thing too, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the, you know, nobody looks for a, a, you know a, an atrocity in a war like this, but uh, you know, we we've, we've discussed how Netanyahu politically was in in bad shape. Uh, that that there were and still is i mean there's there's protests you know it's not just the world against israel there's uh, you know the you know israel is not a monolith into the same way the jews aren't a monolith or christians aren't a monolith or muslims aren't a monolith there there were serious uh problems with netanyahu politically inside his own country he had protests going on you know forty thousand people would show up for protests because he was gutting the supreme court's ability to curtail his power and, and they were showing up i want to point out again uh week after week for months unlike where here in the west we have a rally as i've said before we'll have a rally and tens of thousands of people will show up and then everyone pats themselves on the back and goes home and the next weekend there's no rally uh yeah. the israelis Week after week for months. Oh, and day after day for times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was in hot water. I mean, he and his his government is propped up by by extreme lunatics, right wing, um, fundamentalist hawks oh. um, who do believe that's a in nice that, way to describe. Yeah, them. yeah. Well, they're you know warmongers. They're um, warmongers. They're racists. They are a there's a, a a term the Jews use for people like this shunda which means they're an embarrassment to the Jews dialed up to 11. Yeah. So they say, um, so you've got that whole political background going on there, which, you know, feeds back into what we said about the, you know, the immediate response was, was, was swift, swift and brutal and continues to be. And there are people inside his government. Uh, he, he's fired one or two of them because they, they said out loud what I think a lot of people were thinking, which is, you know, this, we are going to, get rid of gaza once and for all you know we're, we are just going to eliminate those people um and and then you know I'm, I'm not a big one for 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 labels but you know that is basically a genocide at that point at that and, point um at that point it is uh since they're not really talking about killing them they're talking about pushing them out into uh jordan and egypt that would be ethnic cleansing yeah, um, yeah but, and but at the same time they're not letting anyone out so well they're, they're, they, well part of that is egypt too and part of that is hamas doesn't want people let out um yeah. it's a freaking mess and, and i will say that um you know you were talking about how uh people are skeptical of both sides what i find actually disturbing is that there are people largely on the left who when you say to them uh hamas is committed to the extermination of Jews around the world. It's in their charter. Uh, you know, th there's no mistake. Uh, they're committed not to a two-state solution or peace, but to destroying Israel. That they use their own people as, I call them human sacrifices, not human oh, yeah. shields. Oh, yeah. I, I said that this is suicide bombing on a, on a grand scale. Except, That's right. You know, the people who are, who are the suicide bombers are, are not willing participants. Ex exactly. Um they are that that they benefit from uh, the the deaths of Palestinian civilians, that it benefits them that they that the more dead civilian Palestinian civilians, the better it is for Hamas. You tell that to people and they say that is ridiculous. You are just demonizing and uh, dehumanizing these people. Nobody would ever would ever 
uh, no human being could really uh, hold, no organization of human beings could really be uh, that truculent and uh, calculating. And then you, Israel is accused of something and they're like, oh yeah, Israel did that. Like there's just the, the, the same level of skepticism and humanity is not, and benefit of the doubt, is not given equally. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that bothers me because that seems rooted in in some very uh, anti-Semitic, I don't think these people necessarily know they're anti-Semitic, but I think they don't realize they're uh, moving from a perspective that was built on anti-Semitism. And as far as the, the I've noticed the protests, they call them pro-Palestinian protests. Um, and uh, that would indicate that people who support Israel are anti-Palestinian, which I'm not. But I've noticed that the uh, stuff that's caught the attention has gone from death to the Jews, from the river to the sea, which has been properly exposed as a genocidal call, to stop uh, 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 ceasefire. Ceasefire now. The focus has been ceasefire now. I think that, and this is probably hard for some Jews uh, and supporters of Israel to recognize, but I think there's a huge percentage of people at these rallies. This is for them. This isn't about hating Israel. This isn't about hating Jews. This isn't about uh, the polit- political realities. This is simply about people reacting to uh, civilian slaughter on a human level, divorced yeah. from any enmity or hatred, you know, deep rooted hatred of Jews or Israel. It's basically, I don't care why this is happening right now. We just want this to stop happening. And so, no, no. Yes, the, those uh, those protests have been infiltrated by hardcore anti-Semites. But I think that to take to, to, to look at all of these people who are saying uh, ceasefire now, uh, and to, have, to say, well, you're obviously in support of Hamas or anti-Israel. That's just not true. What they're looking at, they're not political people in general. They're not nuanced. They're not aware of history. They don't care. Right now, what they want to see is, uh, they don't want to see any more images of uh, dead or dying children or anguished parents. So yeah. for them, this is just on a human level. I don't care about the politics just uh, just stop it. I have a friend who's got uh, family in Israel. And when I tried to talk to her about it, you know, my, my criticism, Netanyahu, she says, I don't care about the politics. I just want my family safe. Um, so uh, this, this disingenuousness of pointing, uh, painting all of these people who just for humanitarian reasons, completely apart from political considerations, want there to be less dead people as anti-Semites and anti-Israel, that it bothers me because this is dehumanizing the people who are being accused of dehumanizing Jews. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 you know, I'll get myself into trouble here. um, Uh, Like I haven't so far. (laughs) Exactly. You got your foot in it already. Oh yeah. Both legs. (laughs) Yeah. You know, know, and I keep seeing, you know, like you say, you know, equating, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, people who just want the killing to stop with uh, with supporting Hamas. I think you know what you said is is absolutely right that uh, that people are just you know horrified by what they see and you know forget all the geopolitical and all the rest. They just want it to stop. Um, and you know it, it it's wrong to to 
to paint them with a, an affiliation one way or or another. But, also, uh, you know, to interrupt, but also painting them with that affiliation is also helping to push people into that affiliation because now we're in a world of with us or against us. So if you tell yeah. people, if you say that you are our enemy uh, because of perceived, you know, perceived whatever, um, you are pushing people into the other camp. Don't yeah. do it. Anyway, so yeah. interrupt, go on. Well, no, and I, and I was going to say, you know, in the, in the bigger the, the bigger issue is, you know, we've, we've talked about anti-Semitism and, and, and its long history, you know, going back to, you know, going back to the Crusades and, and you know, the expulsions uh, that, that seem to happen about every 30 years in Europe, starting about uh, about 1200, um, you know, culminating in the Holocaust. And, you know, there's there's all these stories uh, that are circulating in the Canadian press right now about uh, about polls where, you know, a third of children uh, of a certain age in, in in public schools have never heard of the Holocaust, or they you know they doubt the numbers or the existence or or, or any any of the rest, and I'm not surprised uh, by that number anymore because you know a couple of things that we're getting farther and farther away from from the Holocaust itself. So the witnesses and, and all the rest, even though it was the most documented genocide in history, the Germans were great at documenting it. The numbers are there, the stories, the people, the tragedy, the relics, you know. The physical evidence of it is 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 indisputable because it was so well documented, but human memory starts to fade as people disappear. And the other thing too is, in Canada, being a nation of immigrants, uh, our recent waves of immigration have come from countries that were untouched by the Holocaust. So you know, if you were from from Asia, you know, if you're from China, you're from 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 Hong Kong, if you're from uh, you know, if you if you're from any of the Middle Eastern countries, if you're from India, if you're from you know the if you're from Syria or or you know any of that belt of countries, the Holocaust for them didn't happen because it isn't part of Western European history the way that people who've uh, you know in in England or or Germany obviously um, Europe and in North America you know the United States and and Canada experienced it because we had a, a real connections to you know, to, to Jewish families, Jewish communities, and, and European history. But the recent waves of immigration, and these are the kids who are in school right now, are 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 from countries primarily that either the Holocaust wasn't even a footnote to history, because if you're in China, if you grew up in China and you immigrated to Canada, what's the Holocaust to you? I mean, well, you I mean, don't what have, are Jews? Oh, yeah, you don't have any Jews. I mean, aside from a, you know a small colony that was set up in Shanghai That's as right. as refugees, uh, and I've been to the synagogue in 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 uh, Shanghai. Uh, that was uh, the center of the Jewish uh, expat community there when they were trying to find a safe haven you know, mm -hmm. after after the Nazis came uh, to power. But aside from that, they have no concept of of Nazi you know Nazism or anti-Semitism or the Holocaust. Um, and so they come here and you pull them and you say, so, you know, what do you know about the Holocaust? And they're like, I, I've never heard of it. It's not part of my shared experience in the, in the same, if you're from, from India or Pakistan or, or any of the other, you know, from Africa, the Holocaust for them didn't really happen. Um, and so I'm not surprised that it is fading from the Canadian experience, uh, from our memory, because there's generations of people who are now Canadians who it wasn't part of their family history. They didn't have people who served in World War II on the Canadian side, like, you know, my great, my, my grandfather uh, uh, did. And, uh, you know, you, you were 
you are a participant in World War II with all that that entailed. So I'm not surprised that it's fading and the lessons of it are being lost on people because either you, I say you came from a country that it had nothing to do with it, or you came from a Muslim uh, country where, you know, they had different ideas about, about the Jews and the Holocaust. Um, And, you know, they, I'd say, you know, mostly unsympathetic ones towards uh, that, that, that incredible international tragedy. So, you know, it's, I'm not, again, so when they're saying like the rise of anti-Semitism and all the rest, it's because there's a whole generation coming up, you know, a sizable portion of it that doesn't, didn't, you know, wasn't raised with, with that information. And we have to educate them, obviously, because it's a world historical event. It has tremendous lessons for, for, for Jews and non-Jews alike, but uh, it just has stopped being part of our culture for at least, you know, according to the polls, 30% of the population. And well, you know, um, that, that, that has tragic consequences. It does. Uh, I mean, to give it some perspective, I didn't know about the tragedy of the partitioning of uh, India and Pakistan. Um, I didn't know its extent. I didn't know. I didn't. It wasn't part of my uh, historical education or my uh, ethnic background or knowledge. I I learned about it embarrassingly enough from the Marvel uh, TV series Miss Marvel, because the. Mm-hmm main character is a young uh, Muslim woman, uh, family is Pakistani, and the, the that trauma is a factor, not the factor, because it's quite a fun show, but it it informs the rest of it. And I was watching the sort of historical reenactments that were part of it, and I was like, I am embarrassed. I didn't know about this. I yeah. didn't know about this tragedy. I didn't know about uh, about this trauma. Yeah. Uh, so why would necessarily people from India or Pakistan know about the history of my people and and their trauma and and their uh, persecution? It's I get it. Ignorance is not hatred because um, I, you know, once I saw it, it touched me because they're human beings. Um, yeah. And I think it's just a matter of education. And I think this is going to really get me in some trouble. But here I go. Okay, buckle up. Buckle up. I think that there's a... The same way you're seeing in the U.S., there's a, a, a population that is tired of hearing about slavery. Um. Uh, you're not slaves anymore. You haven't been slaves for 150 years or whatever. Uh, get over it. Get over it. Uh, stop yeah. trying to make us feel bad because you were your people were slaves. Uh, there's an exhaustion there because of the way um, too many people have been trying to teach sla- uh, about slavery, which is you should feel guilty. Um, I think that there is a there, there is a weariness uh, in some portions of, of the populations where. They're tired of hearing about the Holocaust um, where because there's this underlying sense in the way it's been taught that you should feel guilty and and nobody wants to carry guilt around, especially for something they had nothing to do with. 
uh, and yeah. wouldn't have participated in if given the opportunity. Yeah, or um, or, or, or they think yes. <laughs> yeah, or they or they think. And, yeah. um, we we but, all think that we would be uh, be the heroes of the resistance, and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. not not standing at the rallies. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole other story. Um, but I think that people they just want to throw off the guilt. Yeah. And so they look around and they see Jews um, in in positions of uh, of wealth or power. I mean, it's it's completely exaggerated because if the Jews are running the media, they're doing a damn poor job covering <laughs> what's going on with Israel and Hamas. Damn yeah. poor job. And <laughs> and if Jews control the world in banking, why have I never been invited to a meeting? I've never received a dividend check. Um, I got to try to make money the same as anybody else. <laughs> If you do get invited, I'd like to be your plus one. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, uh, it'd be hard to explain that to Leanna, but okay. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. The invitation's not coming. Um, so they look around, they see, okay, the Holocaust, it was bad. It was slaughtered. Most people are distanced from seeing the images of it um, and knowing just how horrible it was. It's like, okay, so a bunch of you were killed. They don't realize the, the barbarism and the torture involved. A bunch of you were killed. You've survived. You now have a country, Israel. Uh, you seem to be doing okay. There's lower, uh, until recently, uh, lower incidences of uh, anti-Semitism. You're not barred from being in, uh, going to certain professions or you're not subject to quotas. Uh, can we move on? Don't make me feel guilty anymore. Yeah. And I don't feel that anybody who's alive today, outside of maybe some 97-year-old Nazi war criminals who managed to escape justice, we, we you don't need to feel guilty for something you weren't part of the the message and this is the same with slavery in the US we're not asking you to feel guilty and carry around guilt what's being said is recognize that this happened recognize that it has had a knock on effect as people like to say that it, that it's not just the past it has informed where people are presently and just commit yourself to do better, to try where you can, um, make things, try, try to fix mistakes or the effects of mistakes that were caused in the past. And mistakes is a very uh, gentle way of putting it. But yeah. um, the responsibility of us today is to work towards a world where that A kind of thing doesn't happen again. Um, and B, where we recognize there are certain inequities that were are a reality because of that and let's be more sensitive let's let's try to make the world a little bit more of a fair place for people don't just tell people pull yourself up by your bootstraps which i mean especially in america they do that to people who don't even have shoes um yeah so it, don't feel guilty but too much of this education has been feel guilty feel guilty feel guilty feel guilty you know what canada yeah. was bad to the jews uh, trying to escape the Holocaust, the none is too many uh, policy, sending a boatload of Jews back who had escaped uh, Eastern Europe uh, to be killed in the Holocaust. Canada has a, a lousy history there. But you know what? Since then, Canada's history with Jews has been remarkably better and better and better. We don't yeah. have we don't have to feel guilty. We should feel we should feel bad that people were slaughtered, but it shouldn't be guilt. It should just be empathy. Um, and so yeah. I think that this opportunity to say, well, look at you, Jews, you wanted us to feel guilty and look what you're doing. Also genocide, given the chance you do the same thing there. I, I don't think this is conscious. I don't, I think it's sub, sub, subconscious, but 
I think to some people, it's a bit of a relief from the grief they they feel they've been told to feel. Yeah, and yeah, like you say, I mean, it's it's it, it in in some ways, you know, people are saying, you know, what you know, I've seen Gaza, you know, c- uh, compared to the Warsaw Ghetto, which you know, I you know, historical comparisons are are always you know always wrong dangerous. actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, they they're always wrong. Historical no, comparisons, yeah, no yeah, two no, situations no. are ever you know, no exactly enough. exactly. But like like you said, I think people are are you know they take some kind of perverse comfort in the idea that uh, you know we don't have to feel guilty because it turns out they're just as bad as everybody else was, and uh, all of my all of my the guilt that I didn't want to feel in the first place was misplaced, and I'm being validated and told that you know I don't have to feel guilty about this, and it's. I don't know. There, there's, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing. Like you say, and I, and I don't believe in intergenerational guilt either. You know, I, I you know, I believe we learn lessons and we try to address wrongs in the past that have reper- repercussions in the present and all the rest. But it's, it's um, uh, the way you know when you combine that with with uh, a lack of knowledge and the fact that there is pervasive anti-semitism still in 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 the western world uh you know that that's the world i live in i can't talk about the rest of the world but there's still this pervasive anti-semitism and you see people who still you know montreal people taking some some shots at that synagogues or there was an attempted firebombing you know these are isolated i like to think incidents but uh but there is a culture that still exists that has these these ancient prejudices that are completely unfounded by anything historical or logical or or empirical um and it's it's so hard to get rid of i don't think that that is the mainstream i think it's very much an outlier now um but you know unfortunately an event like this in the middle east brings those people to the surface and in the in the in the fog of war, you'll get some people going like, well, well, maybe maybe this, you know, maybe it isn't as cut and, and dried as this. I mean, I gave, you know, you know, give Israel a lot of slack because you know Jewish people have suffered so much and they deserve a homeland and they're defending themselves. But you know, it, it's that wedge. And again, I think this is what Hamas was trying to do in the first place as part of a grand scheme. Unless I'm I'm attributing to them, you know, much much more insight than than they have, which is to tarnish. The Israel, uh, the um, the reputation of Israel and Jews around the world, uh, because they they Jews around the world, you know, are the enemy too. It's not just Israel, as far as they're concerned, and they've been successful doing that because they've tapped into that tiny group that has these ancient pre- uh, prejudices, um, you know, and and the, the more radical ones who are actually going to do something, they're actually going to firebomb a kindergarten or something, um, but the, also the general feeling of sympathy of uh, towards Israel, which has translated into lots of money from the U.S. Congress to help uh, bolster their, their military and support from the international community. Um, they going back to what we said in the first place you know hamas's strategy uh although it may result in the destruction of gaza they are so far succeeding in giving israel a black eye and isolating it more from the international community that has been very supportive of it of it agreed and um i just want to add this that i i i understand that there is uh, a sense amongst some that the young people and the others who are out there protesting about Palestinians, 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 and say their concern is Palestinians. For some, 
it's got to be a mile wide and an inch deep um, because you look at uh, there's a country in that region where uh, Palestinians are denied citizenship, even if they're born in that country um, and being denied citizenship, they're denied uh, services like medical care and so on. They're denied entry into certain professions and businesses. Uh, they live in refugee camps where a wall has been built basically around them uh, in conditions that uh, NGOs, uh, aid agencies, have said are deplorable and appalling. Um, and Palestinians have lived like that for decades. Um, that country is Lebanon. Where have the people who are concerned about Palestinian suffering been while this has been going on in Lebanon? Why are they not? Why, why have there been no protests against Lebanon for their treatment of Palestinians, uh, which is which is I mean, at least in Israel, Palestinians can become actual citizens and they get medical care and they can be elected to to, to parliament and judges and so on in in. Uh, in Lebanon, that doesn't happen. They are an oppressed people within Lebanon. If the concern amongst these people is really for the Palestinian people, why do they only look at the Palestinians in in relation to Israel? Why are they not looking at the broader sense of the fact that Palestinians are not particularly well regarded or well treated in Arab nations? And that's why I think... Um, Something's fishy here that you only care about Palestinians when it involves Israel slash Jews. But when they're treated very poorly, in some cases more poorly um, within Arab lands, you just don't hear a peep. You, they just don't seem to care. And why? Yeah, and I, think, I think. Yes. No, I say I. I think you 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 kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, last time uh, you, you know you said you know we. You know, because the uh, because Israel is 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 an educated democracy that it's um, that its citizens have been pulled from all over Europe and 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 other places. You know, there's a reverse uh, there's a reverse racism here where it's like we expect better of the Israelis than than the surrounding con uh, countries. Um, yeah, yes, and, the you know, low the racism of low expectations. Yeah, exactly, and it's like, well, we we kind of expect uh, those 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 savages in these other countries to behave badly towards each other, including their own groups. But you know, we expect better of Israel because you know they're 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 basically transplanted Europeans. Um, you know, I I don't think there's that holds necessarily a lot of a, a lot of uh, water, but you know there is you know there's much more of a familiarity. Uh, with Israel as as a people as a nation because of the cross pollination, you know a lot of the people that uh, you, you know we hear um, being interviewed these days are are Americans or Canadians who have uh, decided to you know Jewish Canadian Jewish Americans who've decided to uh, immigrate to Israel to live on kibbutzes for extended periods of time uh, to 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 join their military, um, and so you know we've got this familiarity with them and we kind of have a, a an opportunity to say well they're they're very like us because a lot of them are us um whereas 
you know the you know the experience which is changing in Canada with immigration patterns, experience with uh, with other Arab nations is you know a little more in, in, uh, impenetrable. We don't really understand their cultures and their societies as much uh, and their histories because we don't see it a lot in in the media the same way you know we have uh, this close relationship with Israel, both in the United States and Canada. Well, I mean, you look at the depict, traditional depiction of Arabs in Western media, there's always a camel somewhere, you know, and there's tents and the, the, you don't see the, the the beautiful cities that have been constructed in uh, in Arab nations. They're always shown as these poor shepherd nomads. Yeah, um, like Lawrence of Arabia is, is yeah. basically our touchstone for things like yeah, that. Ex exactly. Um, so, yeah, there is low expectations uh and people like well uh you know as you said the the thing about um israel being seen as a place that's largely european transplanted jews also isn't really true in the sense that a huge percentage of israel's jewish population are from north africa um they're uh you know from morocco and places yeah. like that mm -hmm. there's a huge percentage that are definitely not white. And there's a large number of uh, families that have been there for centuries, a yep. large number of Jews that resisted uh, when the, the rest of the, the population was forced to leave. Some got to stay um, and have been there forever. You know, that's why the idea that uh, there's only one indigenous uh, people in that region is silly. Uh, Nicholas Kristof, in a uh, New York Times opinion piece, said the problem has always, always been in the Israel-Palestinian conflict is it's not a battle of right versus wrong. It's a battle of right versus right. Um, both sides uh, deserve to have a, a, a homeland, a sovereign homeland in safety and security. It So both sides are right. Like Both sides deserve to have those homelands. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of history. You know, the Palestinians were offered that with the partition plan, rejected it. Um, okay, um, that's true. But that doesn't change the fact that Palestinians and uh, Israelis, they're indigenous to the region. I mean, Jews, before they were called Jews, were called Israelites in the, the Hebrew Bible, which was compiled before Jesus or uh, Muhammad uh, uh, existed. So they're indigenous to that region, um, which people are trying to call them white colonizers. And it's like, I will believe Jews are white when white nationalist groups say that Jews are white. You know, <laughs> when when Jews are permitted to to join white nationalist, white supremacist groups. All right. Then we're white until then. Eh, not really. Um, as far as the expectations, uh, the, the in, in, you know, we expect more from Israel in a sense. I get that. And in a sense, that's not wrong. Uh, Israel has greater resources um, than the Palestinians in the territories. Uh, they have greater wealth uh, as a country than the the Palestinian than the territories. Um, they have greater options and agency than the people in the territories. So yeah, um, Israel has. A, a greater latitude in how they respond to things because of the the relative uh, wealth and and strength uh, of the country's military. So, in a sense, yeah, uh, Israel 
there is, I think, an onus on Israel to live up to its founding principles. And, you know, the people say, if you object to the way Netanyahu's prosecuted this war, people say, what, should Israel just done nothing? This is a, this is a false and stupid binary. No one's saying Israel yeah, there, there are lots of, There's lots of things in between that you could that, be doing. That, that's right. There, Israel, because of its wealth and its military strength, Israel has options. Um, and what this is the option they've chosen. This was not the only path available to them. So in that respect, you know, uh, do I expect more from a country that is founded on uh, principles of Jewish values of things like tikkun olam, which is repair the world, be a light unto nations. Um, do I expect a certain type of behavior from them? Yeah, I actually do. Um, and, and and while there's a general level of Palestinians are, are human like anybody else and want dignity and, and prefer peace and, and being neighborly, they haven't had a, a unified government to come that's been able to come forward and and espouse values, shared values. So Israel, yeah, um, you know, you've got the you, you've got the wealth, you've got the power, you've got the allies. Uh, I expect you to do everything possible to stick to the values that founded the country and that you espouse, because there's no point in being a Jewish state if you don't follow Jewish values. That's my opinion. And as far as reducing civilian uh, casualties, I think Israel does have a long history, despite what propagandists will tell you, of trying to reduce civilian casualties. Other armies do not drop leaflets and say, we're going to target this place, give you time to get out, because that puts their military in danger. Other countries don't do that. Israel does that. What I'm wondering is, in the case of the Gaza uh, invasion, maybe this 11,000 plus dead people Maybe that is the minimum amount of civilian casualties. Maybe that is minimized civilian casualties in a place where there's two point something million people. Um, and that's that's uh, a frightening thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I say, that, you know, there's 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 no end in sight for this, because as we've said before, you know, Hamas, you know, Hamas, Hamas doesn't care about its people. I mean, usually you, you, you cry uncle at some point when your losses are, are too severe. Because, you know, politically, you're going to be thrown out of power. Uh, but, uh, you know, Hamas isn't like that. Um, number one, they don't care seemingly about civilian casualties. In fact, seem to be pushing people in front of uh, it to uh, to uh, raise the death toll in order to uh, continue uh, public opinion in their favor. And there's no mechanism for for throwing them out of power because they're you know, what they have been. You know, they were an elected government once, uh, you know, 17, 18 years ago, uh, but there hasn't been an election since. And they they are the government of, of Gaza. Um, and it's not like there's an opposition that's viable or, you know, even you can find half the people in order to do something about it. So it's not like there's going to be a popular uprising against them. So what the, what options does that leave for for the, the Palestinian people in Gaza? Um, they're stuck with them and suffering the consequences. Uh, yeah. So I don't see how, you know, there's not going to be, there's, there's, you know, they're not going to cry uncle from from the Palestinian side um, as as uh, casualties mount and, and their, you know, their, their buildings are systematically destroyed. And from the Israeli side, 
uh, you know, their their goal is to get rid of Hamas. So good luck at that, because try to find them mm-hmm. uh, and you know, neutralize their ability to wage war. Well, the only way to do that is basically to raise Gaza to the ground. And, uh, you know, there's going to be more and more international um, uncomfortableness with that because then it starts looking like genocide and the images coming back, you know, are, are, are horrific. Um, so no. where, Nasty. where does it go from here? And, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a no win situation for, for, for both sides. That's right. And if you look at the history of Israeli uh, uh, wars like against uh, Lebanon and so on, every one of them has spawned a brand new terrorist group. So it's like whack-a-mole, as far as I'm concerned. You get rid of Hamas, great. Uh, you break their infrastructure, great. There's, the, you can't kill a sentiment, and no. you're 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 encouraging people for generations to maintain a deep-seated enmity towards Israel. So anyway, um, do you do you want to move on to talk about domestic politics, or have we jogged long enough? <laughs> Well, you know, there's, there's always going to be domestic politics. Uh, um, you know, I'm always happy to talk it, but uh, I think I think we've talked to uh, we've I talked everyone's ears off piece. at this yeah. point. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll get. <laughs> we don't want to wear out our our long suffering listeners. That's and, right. And you know, and and very gratified that our our last podcast was one of the most uh, highly listened to uh, that we've had. And we've had we've yes. had some we've had some really great great um uh, responses and, re- and and listenerships on some of our previous podcasts but last one uh, kind of blew the doors off things and i'm sorry you got some blowback from it but i'm not that, i'm not we don't do this to be popular <laughs> no you know what i think people are hungry for a rational discussion um and we're not getting a lot of that so i'm glad we can provide it um we will get to listen by the time we record again it's possible my hopes will have come true and justin trudeau will have stepped down Please, <laughs> oh, well, save now, the country now there, from Pierre Paulev, but we'll see. <laughs> there, there's a hook to get people listening next. There's uh, a hook next week. All right, <laughs> thank you, Stephen. Oh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, and uh, thank you guys for listening. He's Stephen Lawton's. I'm Stephen Kersner, and this has been Small L Liberals. Hey.